We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You've done it all. You've won every award there is to win. You've got a room reserved at Cooperstown, Billy. I just don't know how much more you have to prove. And even if you do come back, you're not going to be 100%. Billy, you may not even be 50. What'd you say? Nothing. Let's knock off for today. Jane's here. I What'd you say? Drive. I didn't say anything. You said if. <laughs> I didn't mean if. Yeah, but you said if. Come on, I only meant that. It's you think I'm not coming back? Billy. Say it. You're tired. Let's quit. Say it, chicken. Chet. You got a job. That's to get me strong and get me back. All right, you get me back. I'll figure out how to win. You want to work with me tomorrow? You get your mind right. You get it right, or you don't come around me. Somehow we're just now getting to our first Kevin Costner movie on this podcast with For Love of the Game. Got to have Eric Hubs from Barstool Sports' Short Porch podcast on to go over this classic movie. On Short Porch, Eric covers all things Yankees for Barstool, and he was gracious enough to come on and record this on a Yankees off night to go over Billy Chappell's perfect game against the Yanks. Obviously, we got a major piece of housekeeping this week. If you're not a first-time listener, you'll have likely noticed that this podcast is no longer titled Trouble with the Script. So welcome to what is technically the first episode of Big Screen Sports. We've got a new name and logo, but the same mission. Breaking down the authenticity and realism of your favorite sports movies. While this is a new name, the feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher stays the same, so we've still got past episodes to check out if you haven't yet. We've got new social handles. On Twitter, we're at big underscore screen sport, and on Instagram, we're big screen sports pod. So if you're not already following those, go do that to get some upcoming episode details and just general sports movie content. Got some pretty good episodes coming up with The Sandlot. Bad News Bears, and then Tin Cup on the Horizon, so we're knocking out uh, two Costner movies here pretty soon. If you haven't yet, please remember to subscribe, and if you have subscribed, please remember to rate and review, as those are really important in growing this podcast, along with sharing with any friends who like sports movies and appreciate a little realism in them. Without further ado, let's get into the first episode of Big Screen Sports on For Love of the Game. Welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast focusing on what worked, what didn't work, and how to improve your favorite sports movies. 
I'm excited to bring on tonight's guest. He's the co-host of the Short Porch Podcast presented by Barstool Sports, Eric Hubs. Eric, how you doing tonight? What's going on, man? What's happening? Dude, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, before we get going, can you explain to listeners who might not be familiar what you do, what you guys do on Short Porch? Yeah, so uh, we're a Yankee podcast. We've been around for a little over a year. We just hit our 100th episode a couple weeks ago. Uh, but uh, we're for Barstool Sports. I'm the Yankees guy there. My co-host, Tom Scabelli. Uh, Tommy Smokes is his blogger's name. Um, yeah, we just talk Yankees baseball. We do twice a week. Uh, we air Mondays and Thursdays. Uh, Thursdays, we try to do our interview portion where we bring on a guest. Uh, we just had, I don't know when exactly this is going to air, but um, for June 13th episode, we just had Luke Voigt, who's like our main, main, main guy who we love. So it's pretty cool. Uh, but everything's uh, we've pretty much taken off since we came onto the official network for Barstool, like at the beginning of the season. And uh, yeah, I, I like to think it's probably the best Yankee podcast out there. Yeah, well, uh, I you know I'm a Minnesota Twins fan, so the the Yankees have ruined my life for the past like 15 <laughs> years. Yep. <laughs> so uh, I like seeing them as kind of the bad guys in movies, which which kind of works for this movie. Uh, tonight we're talking for love of the game. After 19 years in the big leagues, 40-year-old Billy Chappell has trudged to the mound over 4,000 innings. But tonight, he's pitching against time. He's pitching against the future, against age, against endings. Tonight, he will make the fateful walk to the loneliest spot in the world, the pitching mound at Yankee Stadium, to push the sun back up in the sky and give us one more day of summer. After 19 years of playing the game he's loved his whole life, Billy Chappell has to decide if he's going to risk everything and put everything out there. That's the IMDb summary. That's really bad. Uh, essentially, <laughs> old pitcher pitches last game of career and uh, has to deal with a lot of shit. Yeah. So, uh, so right off the bat, Eric, uh, for you, uh, obviously Billy Chappell's pitching for the Tigers. He's pitching against the Yankees in this game. For you, this movie, is this a Hall of Fame, an all-star, a starter, or a bench warmer sports movie for you? For me, it's probably – I have a weird taste in movies, but I put it Hall of Fame for me in terms – and the way I put that, it's probably my number two favorite baseball movie ever, right behind Moneyball. I don't really think you can top Moneyball. For me, it's just – that gets me every time. I just love the a, that A's team, whatever. But um, with this and how Vince Scully is so in it so much, and one of my favorite actors is Kevin Costner – so you combine all of that, and I think it's just done very, very well, and there's really not much you can improve on it. That I, I, I give it Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, it's excellent. For me, I think it's All-Star just because I, there's a couple for me that are on like my Rushmore. Like For me, I'm like a, I'm a big Bull Durham guy. Uh, sure. But, I mean, it's, it's knocking on the door. It's got a case. I mean, I love, love this movie. Right? Let's talk Costner. For you, this is somehow this is uh, I think this is going to be episode like 16 or 17 of this podcast. And this is the first Costner one we've done where he's actually playing a sport. We did draft day, but I mean, that's not the same. <laughs> yeah, no. is uh, for you, is Costner the best movie athlete actor ever? Is he the best sports movie athlete? Yeah, I, I would think so. His Field of Dreams is so good, too. And that's I mean, you know, that could be also considered Hall of Fame for sure uh, with baseball. I don't really know who else compares to him. Who you know, he's done what three baseball movies? Um, yeah, I he's done Bull Durham, Bull Durham, uh, this, Love of the and Game, Field of, and Field of yeah. Dreams. Yeah, I don't really know who competes with him there. 
Does anyone come to mind? No, I, I can't think of it. Uh, not who's done multiple movies and been good in all of them. Not to mention you can throw in Tin Cup where oh, he's yeah, an awesome right. golfer. Oh, right. Yeah, completely. I actually love that movie. Um, yeah, so if you're just going to say not just baseball but all-around sports, then, yeah, I think he's got to be there. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, – I mean – He'd be like he's like the kindred spirit of this podcast. Mm-hmm. He's uh, he he's great. Um, what for you on this movie? What's the uh, we you know in this podcast we focus on the realism, the authenticity, and that stuff that you know I really appreciate in sports movies. On a scale of one to ten, uh, I call it you know I call the scale from bush league to big league. Where would you rank this movie on a realism and and you know just how it feels authentic authenticity wise? Probably nine nine point two. I'd give it. Um, it's so hard with sports movies to not be so, like, just just uh, corny is the best word, and it's just not. This is far from corny. This movie, it's so hard to be realistic. And I I don't know the director's name or who wrote the script at the top of my head, but they clearly just know baseball very well because the way everything was filmed, the script, you know, even like the the in between say you, know, you know the conversations he has with Gus on the mound and and with the owner of the team it's just all very realistic and you just don't get that usually with with other and I also appreciate how Fox is the broadcaster and it's not just a random telecast or whatever like they you know it came out a while ago so I guess the rights probably weren't as crazy as they would be now if a baseball movie you know had Fox as their presenter but that just adds to the realism you know as you know because Fox does baseball games and all that so I don't know I, I thought all of it together 9.2 yeah, they got the feel of the movie, you know, exactly right. And I'll, I'll get into that here. We'll get into that here in a, in a couple minutes because I think that's one of the main parts that makes it so realistic. I can't argue with a nine point two. I mean, um, you know, I think it's, I think it's right up there. Uh, it's yeah, it feels authentic. Just every everything about it. Uh, the director is surprisingly. I, I went look. Doesn't have a sports movie background. It's Sam Raimi who directed the original Spider Man trilogy. Huh. And That's yeah, I looked, and this is really the only uh, the only sports movie he did. But I mean, I guess you can't go wrong with uh, with one and done. Right. Going through this movie, we're not we're going to focus on on basically the game. We're going to focus on the sports aspect. When this movie is, you know, I would say like seventy thirty sports movie romance movie. There's a romance storyline that's kind of going. Yeah. Um. Not really going to pay attention to it, but I think we just need to acknowledge that Kelly Preston looks fantastic in this movie. Just absolutely incredible. Yeah. And I'm not like I love rom coms. Like I'm like that's probably my favorite. So I like don't hate when they go to the you know the romance part of the movie. I like that, but it is a good balance. Like they they don't entirely smother you with that. They also don't smother you with the baseball. It's probably like sixty five thirty five between baseball and romance and. And honestly, I think that's that's more of the realistic part is like because when you're a pitcher, now I don't know if you play baseball or whatever, but I pitched and it is so mental because you're so alone out there on the mound and you think of things all the time when you're out there just that have nothing to do with baseball and they affect you so much. And I thought that's what brought this movie so realistic is they really bring you inside the pitcher's mind where I really can't think of any other movie that does that in terms of like being a pitcher because your mind can wander so much on that mound. And I thought this movie really brought that brought that to light. Yeah, I agree completely. Actually, I pitched too, and using kind of the love story to it kind of serves as like the inning breaks too. 
And yeah, it's your mind goes a million miles an hour on the mound in the dugout. You're thinking of stuff. You have to recollect yourself, you know, each inning to go back out there. And they kind of show, uh, you know, Billy Chapel dealing with that. Before yeah. we get right into the most and least authentic things and kind of run the run the train, I just want to go into the the trivia that's relevant. IMDb usually has some some trivia in all movies. And I want to go with stuff that's, uh, I, I just want to list off the stuff that's relevant for this movie that's kind of interesting. All of this has to do with the sports stuff, except for the first one I'm going to read because it just, it floored me. It was reported that Kevin Costner was angry with Universal Pictures because they cut his full frontal shower scene. Costner told Newsweek that the studio lacked, quote, real courage by insisting that the film have a more kid-friendly rating. Uh, an exec said, quote, the audience giggled at Kevin's penis. Then in focus groups, they said, do we really need to see Kevin Costner's penis? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what, what is this rated? PG-13? I think it's PG-13. I don't think it's R. Okay. I, I can't think of no, anything it's not, it's that would make R. it R. Yeah. It's definitely not R, but I always for, I forget if they curse or whatever in this movie, but um, yeah, that's pretty wild. I mean, I wouldn't have guessed that would be, I mean, the closest they get to anything is when they show his masseuse in the um in his spring training apartment and she's like yeah. in lingerie or whatever but um that's wild i mean that would that would pretty much change the movie from i mean like it wouldn't change it for like the worst or whatever but like my perspective would be like which i mean it's changed just now just <laughs> the thought of this kevin costner's dick <laughs> i don't know if imdb is like wikipedia or anyone can update it but like that it floors me like i have no I don't have any. I don't have any more response to it. Like that's just yeah. that's the wildest shit I've ever heard. Definitely. Um, so uh, the four umpires in the game were played by real major league umpires. Like that's a. I, I like when movies get people involved who are around the sport. I think the more people that they get who are actually involved with the sport, the better the action turns out. Uh, Dave Island played a relief pitcher in the uh, in the bullpen in the celebration really? scene. Yeah, later huh. served as pitching coach for the Royals and the Mets, and he served as Costner's pitching double for some long shots. Wow! I mean, he was the Yankees. Uh, Yankees too. I mean, that's crazy. Wow! Yeah, Holy the, shit! Um, yeah, the the Mickey Hart, the ball bouncing off Mickey Hart's head. I think anyone who watches this probably could have guessed it is based off that Canseco play. Yes, when for uh, sure. he yeah he bounced the ball in there. And then this one, I, I wanted to get how you feel on this. According to Kevin Costner, uh, George Steinbrenner was becoming agitated that the Yankees would be seen losing in a movie filmed on location at Yankee Stadium. Costner said he was able to calm Steinbrenner down by explaining that Billy Chapel and not necessarily the game itself was the movie's major focus. Costner oh also God. explained that the game would mean nothing to the Yankees and that it wasn't pl played as a winner-take-all scenario. Costner convinced Steinbrenner that the, in the movie's universe, the Yankees would clinch the AL East division the next day, keeping their words, World Series hopes alive. Costner said that he later received a Yankees 99 World Series ring as a thank you gift from Steinbrenner. The boss. Wow. Wait, wait, what was the last part? He received a World Series ring as a thank you? Per this thing from IMDb, I'm starting to get like Wikipedia vibes from no, IMDb. No, they're pretty but... accurate, I feel like. I don't know. I trust them. Yeah, this, I, so I thought that was a cool story about uh, about That's Steinbrenner and Costner. That's crazy. Oh, my God. I had no idea about that. That's like – I want to now get – I mean, I obviously, like, I love Kevin Costner. I'd love to speak to him. But now I have a real reason to get him on my podcast because I need to hear all about that story. And it is very George Steinbrenner. Like, I could totally see him thinking that. Like, fuck this. We're, we're not going to win this game. Like, screw that. But they do make it very clear that they're – 
the Yankees win their next game, whatever, or win that game, they're in the, they win the division. And then the Tigers are so bad. They're like, they have like 62 wins. I do want to go back to what you said about the umpires. I think I have an, I have a big appreciation for that because if these umpire, like the first base umpire, when there's close plays at first, he makes a legitimate, like very close play out call where if, if it was fake, you could tell, you know, you could tell that was a very legitimate out call. Same thing with the home plate umpire. He stares down a couple hitters when they like give him looks on, on um, shaky strike three calls. That's all realistic. I like that a lot. If that wasn't a real umpire, you just can't like you can't act that or fake that. And you see that in a lot of other movies where umpires aren't legit. And if you know football movies, baseball movies, whatever. So I actually do appreciate that a lot. Yeah, I think uh, making that decision to to cast real umpires actually paid off. Um, yeah, a lot of the uh, Yankees players and like extras and stuff were played by Yankees minor leaguers, and I always appreciate that stuff. That's cool. I like that. Getting, getting guys who can actually play in the background. I think it's a you can really notice like who's fielded a ground ball before, just how they go about yep. even like transferring the ball from glove to hand. So yep. I, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I think this movie did a great job of just making the atmosphere. So right off the bat for you, what was the most realistic part of the movie? Mm. Okay. So I wrote down a bunch of things. Um, okay. okay. I probably can't pick out a most in my head. I just wrote, so I'm just going to, I'm going to rattle them off. Um, Kelly Preston's in the car. In the very beginning of the movie, um, uh, she's in a taxi cab and she tells the guy to turn down the radio because she's hearing John Sterling's voice. I thought that that was very real and authentic to get the actual Yankees radio voice, the legend himself, John Sterling. Um, you can hear him like talking in the uh, in the background of the game. So I like that 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 caught my eye. Obviously, Bob Shepard, the Yankees PA announcer, you could hear his voice throughout the yeah, game. Yeah, I had that down. That gives me the chills. Yeah, that's, I mean, obviously, RIP Bob Shepard, legend of the game. Um, but I thought that was very cool. Obviously, Vince Scully and Steve Lyons um, just gives just makes you feel like you're actually watching a real baseball game that rather than two nobodies up there who, you know, are just a commentator. It just doesn't have the same feel. Vince Scully, Vin like, Vin crushed it. Yeah, Vin crushed he it. Was it was amazing. Yeah, I mean, that really puts this movie atop any other baseball movie as far as, far as I'm concerned. Um, I thought they did a great job of getting the classic Goomba Yankee fans. You know, you got that fat guy in the with the open jersey screaming in the in New York accent. All the Yankee fans were very, very realistic. I thought, except for one. I was going to ask you about how you felt about the Yankee fans. Yeah, I mean, we know who we are. We know what we are. Like, you know, we we embrace it. We're the Goombas. You know, it's like this movie isn't doing it doing the Yankee Stadium right if they don't have those types of fans. They're, they're New Yorkers. That's what they are. They're loud. They're going to scream at you. They're great. I thought they they nailed that. Um, aside from one, which we'll get into in the least authentic part of this segment. Okay, perfect. I'm looking forward to that. I like the Yankee fan at the bar um, who's talking to Kelly Preston. He's the most annoying guy in the world. Just a classic Yankee fan. And he's, when he starts rattling off, he's like, I can tell you every Yankee who's worn a jersey. And he just starts number one, number two, number three. And she wants to literally slit his throat. That is just very funny. Like when he's like number three, the babe. And it just like, it's a given. Like, like obviously everyone knew that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just, yeah. Yeah. He interestingly, uh, cause this guy was the director of Spider-Man. That guy plays the douchebag promoter in the oh, first yeah. Spider-Man who doesn't pay Peter Parker. Yes, he does. That's, that is correct. And I actually thought for a little bit that, um, first I thought they fucked up because I thought the mechanic who works on Kelly Preston's car was the same person because they sound the same, but it, that guy is actually Dom from Entourage, which is I wild. had that down, yeah, which is great. Yeah, that's just that was it. But they really do. I wonder what if those two guys are in the same room, like 
if people just lose their minds because they look and sound the exact same. Yeah, well, honestly, before the guy came on, I was thinking that the guy in the airport was Dom from Entourage. I was like, oh, yeah, Dom from Entourage <laughs> is in this movie. And then I was like, oh, fuck, wait, that's not him. And then Dom from Entourage showed up as the tow truck driver. Yep, yep. Um, I thought another realistic thing, this is just a baseball nerdy thing. The pitch sequences were very good. Um, there would be situations where he's just throwing a shit ton of fastballs. And then he, cha- you know, he completely freezes the hitter with like a with an off-speed pitch with a curveball. That's just very realistic baseball stuff that um, I think gets unnoticed. But uh, I just I, I appreciate pitch sequences like that that are realistic. Yeah, and they got inside his head for him too. You kind of had him talking through the pitch sequences. Yep. Um, yep. And especially the end when he's just like throwing poo and yep. basically saying they know what's coming. At, you know, he's basically slinging it up there, which I kind of enjoyed. He kind of acknowledged that he doesn't have his shit anymore. Yep. Um. Oh, when he first notices that he's got the perfect game, I feel like that's such a realistic thing for a guy to be like in the zone and not not noticing what's going on. And then he just stares up at the scoreboard and he sees all those zeros. And Gus has to come out to the mound and be like, "You're right." And he just like, "Has anyone been on anyone been on base?" And then you know that's where like it just all hits him at once. How you doing, Ace? Anybody been on base? Nobody. Nobody? This I ain't seen much of. Huh. Me neither. Chappie? I never have. That's just very realistic. I've never yeah. been in that spot, but I know that, you know, that's what happens to pitchers. They just forget what's going on. Then they look up at the scoreboard and no one's talked to them for like two hours because they're all leaving Malone. And he's like, holy shit. <laughs> like, what is going on here? For me in college, it was more like I'd look up at the scoreboard and been like, holy shit, I've given up eight runs today. Like, how the <laughs> fuck did that happen? <laughs> oh, it was a one run game. Damn it. <laughs> and, um,. The last part I had down here, just the zone of how he clears the zone and he clears Clear out the all the mechanism. Fans. Clear the mechanism. Clear the mechanism. Um, which also, uh, I'm sure you've seen the golf movie for the love of the game, but, uh, if you haven't, uh, the older golfer, the more veteran golfer does the exact same thing where he just blocks out all the fans and it's really just him playing on the golf course by himself. It's very similar. Um, but I just like that because pitchers do get in the zone that when you're dealing, you're dealing, you don't really notice anything else. And it's just, that's part of being a professional baseball player. And you get that good that you can just block out every, everyone screaming at you. Yeah, the only other thing that I had as far as most real, mine was just kind of like the vibe of the game and including that like that old Yankee Stadium feel. They get some awesome shots where you kind of feel like the weight of that stadium. You feel all three decks. Um, it's just, it's more of a nostalgia thing at this point. I mean, yep. old Yankee, you know, I'm sure especially for you, I mean, old Yankee Stadium is just an all, it's a classic baseball stadium. When they're in the later innings and they come out and it's nighttime and they, they enter the scene from outside the stadium 
it's just that's like one of the chill moments. It's like holy shit! Like you know, like there's, there's nothing better than that. Like old Yankee Stadium at night, you know, on a on a big stage like that. There's nothing better than that. Yeah. So I I mean I thought they crushed that. Um, the least authentic for me, real quick, it was just the whole uh, the Giants wanting to trade for forty year old Billy. The owner comes in, he's like, they want to trade you to the Giants. Like are the like one, it's the end of the season. Like no one's thinking about that shit. Yeah. And two, like, are the Giants really like breaking down the door for the Tigers? Like, hey, we gotta have forty year old Billy. Uh, in the beginning of the uh, the beginning of the game, they show the graphic of like his season stats, and it's two hundred eleven innings pitched, one hundred eleven strikeouts, and ninety eight walks. That's not great. That's <laughs> not, not good. <laughs> not, that's not the ratio you want. I'll tell you that much. No. So, yeah, I mean, I would have rather that just be like, uh, you know, hey, the new ownership, just they don't want to re-sign you. They, don't, they want you to leave. Well, I thought that's really what it was. I didn't think of it as more as the Giants want you. It's more that the ownership doesn't want you around anymore, and they're just dealing you to some random team. That's how yeah, I Yeah, I mean, they, I, just, I would just prefer they just said that instead of being like, oh, they want to trade you to the Giants. Like, the Giants specifically, like, what are they? <laughs> are they offering, like, 25 bucks? Like, what, <laughs> what is this guy worth in a trade at 40 years old? But yeah, what did sure. What did you have for the least authentic thing? In the so this is the one Yankee fan I didn't like. Um, in the very beginning, they're sh- it's like the first inning, and, like, everyone's screaming at him. And then there's just this one fan with a Vuvuzela just blowing a horn. I mean, that just doesn't happen at Yankee Stadium. No one's bringing a giant horn and blowing it. <laughs> like, that's maybe at like the Rays game or something like that. But old Yankee Stadium, no one's walking around with a giant Vuvuzela like you're at the World Cup or something like that. I just, I saw that today. I was like, what the hell? When I came on the screen, I was like, were Vuvuzelas a thing before that one <laughs> World Cup where they became like a big right. thing? Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's, that's an interesting one. The, um, Oh, where they trying to re? Where they showing the old um, with Hart uh, the ball going off his head or whatever, and and being a home run, the Canseco esque uh, play. Um, the fan just clearly reaches over the fence. That just wouldn't be a home run. So well, I mean, that's I, it, it was kind of a home run for the Yankees a few years earlier. <laughs> yeah, fair. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Um, but yeah, that I was like, I mean, it's so blatant. Like his whole arm is over the fence. But uh, I mean, the team bus picking up the daughter. I mean, what are we doing here? We're, that gives team. us, but that gives us the best. I think the best line in the movie where J.K. Simmons, who plays the manager Frank Perry, says, yeah. "Quote: Let's get out of here before we get our asses kicked twice in one night." <laughs> <laughs> You're very right there, very right. And low key, I don't think I appreciated J.K. Simmons being the guy here because when I first saw this movie a few times, you know, he hadn't really risen to where he is now in terms of like the stratosphere of being a top actor in the game. And, you know, I just thought of him as a nobody back then. Um, but uh, well, not, we're, not, we're like, you know, Jameson from Spider-Man. But, uh, you know, I, I, I gained appreciation for him being in the movie. But, yeah, the bus thing was just, like, wild. Yeah, like, we're not picking up a daughter these days with the team bus. Like, come on. Did you notice who the Yankees manager was? Uh, it's not coming to my head, no. That was the late, great Augie Garrido, uh, manager of Texas and Cal State Fullerton. Huh. So Costner is a huge. I was under the impression that Costner had played at Fullerton since it seems like he's such a good athlete. He didn't, but he's like an alumnus and he's a big supporter of the baseball team. Gotcha. And so he was buddies with Augie Garrido, uh, I think the all-time winningest college baseball coach. And so Augie was the Yankees manager, which kind of random, but but kind of cool. Gotcha. Yeah, but that's all I had for least authentic because 
it's pretty much really good in my mind. Yeah, I mean, they crush it. Um, did you have anything else for for realism or what worked? I really liked the fastball sound effect. Uh, every sound effect to, was really good. Every sound effect. Yeah, was to really kind of give it like give it a little oomph. Yep, hundred um, percent. Especially I like when they use. Yep. Oh, go ahead. No, there was, there's a really uh, in the ninth inning. There's a ball hit down the third base line. And the sound effect with that like really spoke to me. I was like, oh, like you could tell ball hit hard. Then when it hits the glove, just all realistic. You're very right. Yeah, I mean they immerse you in kind of game action, which yep. it, it works really well. Uh, I liked when they used paint it black as like a mini montage. Like they didn't go with like corny sports music. They went with paint it black, kind of like the middle innings, like him getting in a groove, which yep. I enjoyed. Yep, I like that. Yeah, it was good. Um, as far as anything else that didn't work, uh, the one, well, it's a question for you and it's kind of, it's funny cause it kind of came up recently in that, uh, in that Trent game. How do you feel about Tuttle's bunt in the seventh inning? <laughs> it's a one run game. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Um, a Tuttle will get, I won't, I won't say more about Tuttle, but, uh, no, I didn't hate that bunt. Uh, it's a one run game. You're playing for the division title. Do whatever the fuck you want. That's my, that's yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I, I didn't have a problem with it at all. And I liked how they, I liked how they had Costner feeling that ball. Like that felt realistic too. It was like it was just a crazy good play. But the slide, the the pop up slide into the throw, tailing throw a little bit. I like that. Yeah, every uh, every perfect game has like a couple awesome, uh, yes. awesome defensive plays to save it. And this one has like seven, which as uh, well which as we'll as well as um, a bomb home run that just goes foul. That also is in like every perfect game too. You know, like they they have pretty much everything that they clearly watched a few perfect games to go into this. And they're like, okay, what does this have? Um, and one quick thing about what worked. Um, I realized this today watching back because I was, you know, I was writing down notes and paying attention to detail instead of like having a second screen going or whatever. But um, Hart's home run robbery in the ninth inning or whatever it was, I just didn't put two and two together. That was the same guy who had to go off his fucking head earlier in or earlier in the movie. It was the redemption moment. Yeah. So I I just didn't pick up on that. And so today, like realized I was like, oh, that's really cool. Like that whole. You know, that, that comes full circle is very cool. So that's just stupid me not realizing it at the time. Yeah, and related to that, I love that scene of him and Billy in the locker room after he has, like, the blooper, and Billy's, like, that doing the vet thing, like, talking about, like, you know, hold your head high, and then we'll get out. Next time we're in Boston, we'll get out and work the wall together. Yep. Which, like, 100%. I thought was cool. I enjoyed that scene. Yep. Um, I want to do the, the Lenny Harris Award uh, in, honor of, uh, in honor of baseball's all-time hits leaders for pinch hitters. A Lenny Harris Award for Best Supporting Character. I've got three nominations, and he can hit me with more. Uh, J.K. Simmons is Frank Perry, who we already kind of talked about. John C. Riley is Gus Sinski, the catcher, who I can't believe we haven't really talked about. <laughs> and then uh, Michael Papajohn, who played Tuttle, who he is is like a sneaky uh, sports movie guy because he yes. was also in Little Big League as an, as an uh, outfielder, and he was in The Longest Yard as the safety. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, and he played it. He played at LSU and was drafted by the Rangers. So he's, no he's definitely an athlete. Yeah, huh. I didn't know that. Um, I had him as my best on-screen athlete, Sam Tuttle. I thought he just embodied. He wears thirteen, also. Like so, he's you know he did. It's not intended for him to be a Rod, but it like it ends up working out. Like oh, like that's a Rod, <laughs> you know. Um, but it, he just embodies the perfect asshole Yankee superstar, and they they just did that very perfectly. I thought. Yeah. So he's your Lenny Harris as well. Yeah, I got him there. See, yeah, and uh, the last uh, last Spider Man connection from Sam Raimi directing uh, Michael Papajohn shot Uncle Ben. 
Yeah, see, that's where I recognize him from. That's that's exactly where I recognize him from. Yeah, he's the guy who kills Uncle Ben, hundred percent. Yep. Yeah, a lot of a lot of Spider Man in this movie. Um, for me, I kind of love John C. Riley. Not as much. I'll get to him more like worst on screen athlete, but I love his personality in the movie. I just love the job he does. Yep. Uh, I you know I just enjoy. I'm just a John C. Riley guy. I really like him. So. He embodies a catcher, a catcher's personality perfectly, like an old, old vet, like shitty catcher. Like he's just perfect like that. Um, tying him back to what didn't work, though, uh, I hated when the Tigers, when when J.K. Simmons, when they're they're warming up in the bullpen, and he's like, I want to use whatever his name to get him in over Gus. Who gives a shit? It's the last game of the year. You have 62 wins. Why would you? There's no need for that, like at all. Yeah, and it's the starting pitcher's call too. <laughs> yeah. And it's not like it's a, it's not like you're going up to a rookie who's making a September spot start and be like, hey, by the way, uh, you know, Lenny's catching tonight. You're going out like Billy Chapel gets to pick who he's throwing to. That's yeah. non-negotiable. Yeah, and like they're like, we really want to get one here, and not lay down. Buddy, you have 62 wins. You missed your chance to to try and get one here throughout the season. It's the last game of the year. Let's relax and let, and let him throw to his old boy. Like, let's calm down here. You're fighting for the number one draft pick here, yeah. Harry. Okay? Like, you, this doesn't matter. <laughs> so, the, the only other nominee for best on-screen athlete besides Papa John, I think he's, he's clearly the best. Uh, just got to commend Costner. I mean, he looks the part as yep. an, an aging vet throwing the ball. Yeah, he they couldn't have casted a better guy to to be in that position. Um, and I'm trying to like even th- I'm trying to think of like um, an MLB pitcher who he would compare to, like maybe like an old Andy Pettit or something like that, like towards the end of his career, something like that. Just a guy, you know, crafty, whatever. But um, no, yeah, Costner for sure. I just think it's too easy to give him that, so we got to pick somebody else. Yeah, I think Papa John's the uh, the play for worst. I've got, I mean. The Gus is at bat when he flares that double that he beats out. No <laughs> one has ever looked less intimidating in the box than John C. Riley just waving his bat. <laughs> and when he scores uh, from from second, he also looks so like he slides headfirst home. Yeah, that was bad. That was I'm not going to criticize him for casting John C. Riley there because I, I mean he is so versatile. He's so good. I love him in this movie, but goddamn, he looks awful at the plate. <laughs> I don't I don't hate that. So let's get into the big chill, which uh, is the moment that. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Did you want me to did you want me to nominate uh, a worst on screen athlete? Because I had some. Oh, do you? Oh, do you have? Oh, yeah. Hit me with it. I hate Ken Ken Strout in this game. I hate the the really the kid. Oh, I I, I don't hate the the concept of bringing up the young guy um, who's fearless and doesn't see the moment. Like that's very realistic. Like a young kid who's doesn't realize he's in too big of a too in in too way over his head. But I just he's like a little fucking shrimp. Bring up like a, a guy who looks like he's a stud and like looks like he's like a rod in his prom in, in his Seattle days, like coming up. I just hated the whole, Ken Stroud thing. I don't know. I and then um when his when his manager says wreck it, that's the quote he says to him before he stepped like that. That's the best you can come up with is wreck it. No one has ever said wreck it to a player uh, right before they're going up to the plate. Like that, I just hated that whole thing. And he looks like such a nervous little kid, like not in a good way, like not like a, a big leaguer getting one of his first ABs, but he looks like legitimately a nervous little kid. Like they just plucked him out of Little League. He does. He's not wearing batting gloves or anything, which like I'm not going to hate a love dude who so don't wear batting gloves, but he just he doesn't look the part. He... It, 
Yeah, you're right. That just doesn't work. It's just like he didn't look cocky at the plate. He didn't look confident at the plate. He just looked like his bat looked like it had more weight on it. His bat looked like it had more weight than he did. Like, I don't know. I just that whole Ken Stroud thing always irks me every time I see him. Yeah, you didn't really buy him hitting that screamer line drive. It, it was either the first pitch he threw to him or the second pitch he threw to him. But he hits yeah. like that screamer line drive that everyone yep. kind of panics over. And it, uh, yeah, it, it just doesn't work very well. Um, so let, let's get into the big chill. Uh, big chill is the moment that gives you, you know, makes the hair stand up on the back of your neck, gives you the uh, the chills the most. I'm going to list off a few nominees, yep. and then you let me know if, if you've got anything else. We're going to pick one. Um, for I, I first wrote down just like the entire movie. Like, there's always just little <laughs> moments at Yankee Stadium that just give you the chills. I don't know. Like, the whole movie, the whole movie has moments. Um, Gus is the the we don't stink right now speech. Oh yeah, I'm a sucker for. I love, love that shit. I had that written down for sure. Yeah. What's the matter? I don't know if I have anything left. Chappie. You just throw whatever you got, whatever's left. The boys are all here for you. We'll back you up. We'll be there. Because, Billy, we don't stink right now. We're the best team in baseball right now, right this minute, because of you. You're the reason. We're not going to screw that up. We're going to be awesome for you right now. Just throw The uh, the Mickey Hart catch that you talked about it reminded me of the Dwayne Wise catch in uh, in the Mark Burley perfect game. Yeah, for where, sure. Uh, yeah, he went up in center field and kind of bobbled it, but he came down with it. Um, you know that one and kind of the eighth inning in general because it's basically like three awesome plays and with, with just how they do the the music in that eighth inning, it's pretty good. Yeah, I I had the whole ninth inning instead. I just think the whole okay. ninth inning with the sound, with the background music and everything, and the ball goes off of his glove, and then it's the great play down third. I had the ninth inning there. Yeah, that final out is is good. And then um, when he delivers the ball to the owner, the the tell him I'm through for the love of the game. Yep, and that one's good. Did you have anything else that that stood out? No, the two I had. Well, I I agree with you the whole movie because I thought that all those scenes of him walking off the mound and the background music playing and then every scene where they come into Yankee Stadium from outside that just like that's like chills just because you know I'm a Yankee fan and old Yankee Stadium is so awesome um the we don't suck speech I had there for sure and I had the whole ninth inning so we were pretty much we we agreed on everything there so if you had to pick one what's the ultimate for you we don't suck I think the we don't suck because uh, he's just because when he starts he's like he's he basically says like how how irrelevant the season is but Every everyone around you had you know they're playing for you right now. Like just throw the ball to the plate. We're gonna make outs for you. We're gonna do this for you. We're all behind you. I just thought that was so cool. Yeah, you can kind of feel that like it's been a long shitty season for this yeah. guy. Yeah, like there's nothing has gone well, and you kind of feel the gravity of the moment. That's it for me too. I mean, it is. That's awesome. I yep. love that. I I couldn't love that more. Yep. Um. How would you improve the movie? Right off the bat, I, I, I was going to ask, would you get rid of the love story or change the love story or anything at all? You say you kind of like that aspect. Yeah, no, wouldn't change it. I don't think at all. I really like that part. Uh, I, I'm just a sucker usually for rom-coms. Um, 
uh yeah i i really yeah kelly preston was perfectly cast i thought um yeah nothing was really you see him it's all realistic where she comes down to spring training he's sleeping with a girl because you know they're they're professional players and these you know they have girls lined up and they're masseuse and all that that's just all realistic um yeah I, and she gets upset and then they start this relationship they call each other he starts coming over for christmas and all that um no i thought i thought the amount they used the rom-com part not rom-com part but the rom the romance part um compared you know like the percentages were all perfect i really like that yeah i this is a tough this is a movie where you don't really i don't think there's a way to improve it i don't think there's a way that you make this better and definitely for the purpose of this podcast being about the authenticity the realism or anything i don't think that there's a way to uh you know, to make that any better. I think they really crushed it in, in every single way. Yeah. The only thing would just be Strout for me. Get Ken Strout out of there and make it more realistic. That's the only way. Cause, and it's such a, it is an important part of the movie because he's the last batter. So you just, I don't know I, that just never escaped. You know, if he was like a fifth inning guy, I could forget it, but he's the last batter of the game. So I would have really focused on that. Um, and that's really, I guess. I, I kind thought of it was like, kind of weird that he was just sending up pin, he like sent up multiple pinch hitters in the ninth. He's like, yeah, okay, yeah. you guys are you guys are cold. I mean, and it's September, so the you know the bench is long. You got a million guys in there, but you're still just sending up pinch hitters. And it's like, okay, I, I thought about that. So he sends him up for the last out. So this kid is is just been called up. He probably hasn't had a big league at bat yet. And the manager sending him up, he is either going to be the guy who's known for breaking up a perfect game in his first at bat, or he's going to be a trivia a trivia answer for the rest of his life. Who was the last out of <laughs> Billy Chappell's perfect game? And he's like, all right, go get him, kid. Go get him. This might be the only thing you ever get known for. Yeah, and especially because they're going for the division title. So you would assume everyone in the lineup is who you want up. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I guess that was weird. I, I, I just, I don't know. The Ken Stroud thing is all weird to me. I don't know. It's just a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, one of my last questions, what did you think? So the Yankees fans are giving him hell the whole time, uh, you know, the entire movie. And then at the end, like as soon as he gets the last out, it's like, ah, I got to give it to you. That one guy, he's like, come on, guys, perfect game, perfect game. Got to give it to you. Yeah. What, what do you think? Would the Yankees fans actually have actually have done that? We do appreciate big moments like that. I mean, you never want to get perfect game because, you know, that gives the Red Sox fans and Mets fans all they, you know, all their fuel for making fun of and all that. But I mean, I would never root for my team to get perfect game, but if it were to happen, you have to. There's only so much, you know. No hitters, whatever. Those are dime a dozen these days, it seems like. Uh, but perfect games are, you know, there's less than twenty five of those that have ever happened. So, and there's been so many games. They've been playing this game for over a hundred years. So you have to appreciate when that does happen. You have to tip your cap, especially if it's like a guy like if it was a guy like Costner who had been pitching for twenty years, you know, and was at the end of the road. You take that into account. You know, I'm a sucker for that shit. Yeah, and the uh, the funny thing about like the perfect game occurring at Yankee Stadium is this movie came out in '99, so the perfect game before it, while it was being, you know, six months before it was being filmed, was David Wells's perfect game in '98 <laughs> against my beloved, terribly shitty Minnesota Twins. <laughs> and then two months before the film was going to come out, David Cohn threw a perfect game at Yankee Stadium against the Expos. So they that's, had the most two recent perfect games, which is insane. That's actually crazy. I didn't even think about that. Wow. And there hasn't been one since, right? Yeah. So. No, uh, Roy Halladay. Roy Halladay. No, and, I'm uh, with the Yankees. Oh, the in Yankees. Yankee Stadium. Yeah. yeah, with the Yankees. Yeah, with the Yankees. I mean, there's been very few since. I think there's been Burley, Halladay, and Phil Umber. 
Yeah, Phil Lombard. What the fuck? <laughs> um, is Billy Chappell's perfect game the least dominating perfect game ever? Because by the sixth inning, he's spent. <laughs> yeah. And they're, they're making play after play after play. It's not like Max Scherzer mowing guys down. No, but Burley's was kind of like that. You know, Burley... Uh, Bur- well, no. Was Burley no hitter or perfect game? I forget. Was Burley- Burley's was a perfect game. Yeah. He almost... That Dwayne Wise catch, he almost got taken yard. Right, right, right. He was getting shelled a little bit. I mean, you need... That's what you... You need luck with a perfect game because it is impossible. Dude, baseball is so random and like... Balls can just find holes and there's shifts and everything. And, you know, you can be late on a pitch and it finds a hole on the opposite side. Like you need luck and all that. And I, that's what I like about this movie is it brings in that luck. Like you, when you throw a perfect game, it's not always dominant. Like Scherzer, you know, like Scherzer striking out 25 guys or whatever, you know, it just doesn't happen like that all the time. You have these, especially if you're old, you know, you're not going to be dominating when you're fucking old and you're at the end of your career. So I thought that was realistic. Yeah, I like that they didn't they didn't make that happen. They didn't say, okay, well he's just he's got the juice for one more game and something. You know, they show him he's kind of got some oomph in the early innings. Like maybe yeah. he would have. You know, he probably would have. It's he's thinking it's his last start ever. Like I'm gonna bring some you know something out of the tank that I don't have. But by the sixth inning, he's absolutely cooked. Definitely. So last thing before I let you go, where does this fictional depiction what what's the top fictional sports movie? What's the best look for the Yankees in sports movies, and where does this kind of rank? Well, I mean, it's not the best look for the Yankees because we got a perfect game. So, um, in terms of all movies with the Yankees, yeah, all movies with the Yankees. What's the pinnacle for for the Yankees? Because I I would have guessed that they've been depicted more than any other team, but they've been the villain a lot. They were the villain in Major League, right? Um, I mean, sixty one. 61 for sure. Oh, uh, Maris, yeah, Maris and Mantle. I mean, it's made so well. Um, Pride of the Yankees is, is a great one too, but I'd still go 61 probably is the best way to do it. It's not one of my favorite. It's it's still a very good movie, but I I just don't like terribly old movies. I like more modern movies um, and you know that, that just look more modern and are about more modern things. So that's why I'm a sucker for Full of the Game. Yeah, I mean, it's an all-timer. And, uh, man, Eric, thanks for coming on and, and talking over the movie with me. I really enjoyed it. Where can the people follow you and, and see what you guys are doing over at Short Porch? Yeah, so um, we blog at barstoolsports.com under my name, Hubs, H-U-B-B-S, uh, where I write Yankees and all types of other stuff. Uh, you can find the Short Porch podcast. It's on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, all that. Um, I'm on Twitter, at Barstool Hubs, uh, Instagram, Eric underscore Hubs. Um, where it's, you know, all Yankees all the time. So that's where you can find me. Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at big underscore screen sport on Instagram at big screen sports pod. Please remember to subscribe on Apple podcasts. We're also available on uh, Spotify and SoundCloud. Uh, leave a review. Let me know what you thought about the episode. Let me know what movies you want to see next. Uh, we've got the Sandlot coming up next week with Lana Berry couple other good ones on the horizon i think uh we're going to be recording 10 cups soon might also have a pretty good interview with uh, the star of one of the one of the past movies we've covered so yeah uh just make sure you're subscribed and see you next thursday thanks Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.